This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The dust might have settled, but the debate still rages on. Where does the lay of the land lie after Saturday's draw against Chelsea? Hopefully, by the end of this show, we'll have an answer. Plus, there's another match to look ahead to. Brentford at the Etihad on Tuesday night. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm, I'm Andrew Bushfield. Oh, I'm second means second, doesn't it? Not after me. What an idiot I am. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you meant second meaning after me. What a fucking idiot I am. <laughs> we should just leave that in. It's brilliant. <laughs> and this is the City Report Podcast. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. What a panel we have here. At least I thought before that um, that that mess up in the introduction. Um, just when things were already poised and heating up, we wheel out these two. It's like sending in a pair of arsonists to put out a fire. Andrew, um, how was your weekend and, and how's the uh, reaction been since that Chelsea game? Uh, you know, weekend overall has been good. Um, it is the NBA All-Star weekend. Um here in Indianapolis. So a lot of celebrities uh, are in town and um, some cool events going on. So that's been fun. Um, got to see Bill DeFilippo, who's a big City fan, who's here covering uh, the NBA as part of his day job. So we watched the match together. Uh, so, you know, the company for the match was great. Um, the result <laughs> less so. But uh, John Ashley and I did discover that he watched the game with his cousin. Um, and the last time he watched a game with his cousin was a draw against Southampton and similarly, or that was the last match that that uh, cousin had gone to a match and he watched that game with Bill at a bar in Boston and it was a draw. So yeah. I think basically what we've learned is John's cousin and Bill DeFilippo cannot watch matches with anyone affiliated with this podcast. 
<laughs> yeah, um, let's put it in legislation. Um, Man City expert Joe Butterfield, how's things? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. That tweet, that tweet's done nothing good for me, that has it. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's all you're going to be known as from now on. That's it, that's it. Forever um, and ever. Yeah, it's, it's been, um, it's not been a bad weekend. I mean, yesterday, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. It was frustrating. It is what it is. But, um, yeah, other than that, it's been, it's been all right. I've done enough today to, to manage to avoid having to think about it for the rest of the day, which is quite good rather than just stewing on it. Mm, yeah it was interesting we obviously recorded the reaction podcast and if you haven't listened to that go back on your feed you will be able to find it almost what two three four hours after kickoff after full time sorry so that was really raw and having listened back to it i enjoyed it myself if i if i do say so so um listeners maybe you will as well hopefully we will provide a little bit more um articulated insight into that game although given the two chaps in front of me maybe that will be a bit of a, no a big ask but um yeah, exactly. Um, let's get into that game then. Um, just a quick general thought, Andrew, on what you thought it went like. Obviously, like I said on that reaction show, I've shared my thoughts. So the floor is is for you guys to take. But um, Man City won, Chelsea won. I've maybe changed a little bit. I don't think it was necessarily as bad a point as some people have made out, but I completely understand the frustrations that have been brewing over the last 48, 72 hours or so. So my reaction is that... And I said this earlier in the season that you can have chaos players and you can have these kind of like game changing players who seize on moments in a team. But in order to do that, you need to have a steady base to do it from. And so overall, I'm not frustrated by the point um, or necessarily the result. I mean, I, I'm obviously frustrated by the result, but in the sense of that, mm. a, a point to Chelsea who have played well. Um, against the bigger teams this season because it's actually the type of match that lets them do what they want to do. My frustration is that from the moment the lineup was announced, I looked at it and said, we're going to be playing into Chelsea's hands exactly how they want to play. And much like the previous match against Chelsea, that proved to be exactly correct. Um, And so for me, I looked at it and the fact that like, I, you know, with Jack being injured and Bernardo kind of having a bit of a knock, I think that does maybe limit a little bit what Pep was able to do or consider. Mm. But I don't get how Bernardo is the first and only sub that gets made in that match. When to me, it was clear 20 minutes in what was going to happen. And but for some great defending by Nathan Ake and a couple of great um, kind of coming out to get the ball by Ederson, I, we could have given up several more goals. And so to the frustrating part for me is not the result. It is the performance and the lack of an understanding of, Hey, what, what, what am I, what is Pep seeing that I'm not? Because I just don't get what he liked about that performance at all to where mm. the only change that happens is, you know, Bernardo. Mm. I think that's fair. Um, I, I will say that obviously the second half was much better from City, but as mentioned on on the the first show of the week, I don't know how much that was down to the fact that Chelsea had the goal lead to protect and were just happy to bunker and maybe try and catch City on the break. Which, like you say, they, they could have very easily been two 0 up. That save from Edison, having seen it back now, is is absolutely astonishing. You know, he does so well to keep it out of the net. Um, 
but uh, Joe, do you, do you think there's a bit of a problem starting to brew with City so far this season? And we can say so far this season because we're enough time in now to the campaign to be able to make sort of those sweeping judgments. We've seen enough football where whereby City uh, seem to be incapable of putting together two halves of solid football. And I don't necessarily mean the sort of Real Madrid level um, domination we saw in the semi final. You know. You expect those games to come towards the end of the campaign if City are in that mould and they're, they're fighting for trophies. But just in these in these sort of semi-big matches, semi-big contests, I think it's one win against the big six so far this season. It seems to be like we, we require a mastermind turnaround in the second half. Or if we have played really well in the first half, we completely shit the bed in the second and concede sloppy goals and, and give throwaway points. Yeah, I think Andrew's kind of hit the actual main issue sort of on the head there in terms of like the complete lack of control that we've had this season, which has probably been 99% of the reason why the the performances and Mm. results have been the way they have. Like for every, you know, for every team where you don't necessarily need to have all elements of control to win, which because of the quality that we do have, we're quite lucky that, you know, maybe maybe over half the teams that will play in the Premier League, we can kind of get away with having a setup like that and and still win just because of the quality of the players that we've got. I know I know Alvarez is getting a lot of stick for, for his midfield performances at the moment. And like, yeah, maybe mm. maybe in these kind of games it's not great. But obviously it has worked throughout the season. He's been very good through like on, on the whole this season. So he's not necessarily the problem. Um but I think so, just, but, uh, Joe, just to I think you're hitting on a good point. It's not Alvarez in and of himself that is the issue for me. Because you're right, he has been good throughout the season. The problem is, is that now that you have Kevin De Bruyne back in the side, you don't have Grealish on the left or Bob on the left or Bernardo in the side as well. I, I just I don't get how you look at a front six of this team of Rodri, Akanji, Doku, Alvarez, De Bruyne, Foden, and Holland and say, yeah, that's a good set up to not have a match devolve into absolute nonsense because that's yeah. just what happened. And so it's, I, I'm not criticizing like to me, again, this is not about any individual player. It's about that collection of players does not make sense for this type of a match. And the same thing was true of the other Chelsea match. Um, I feel like you, I mean the Liverpool match this season, like it feels like Pep, despite historically going into big matches, wanting to control the ball has continually rolled out lineups that are just designed to not control the ball in a in a way. I mean, yes, we had 70% possession, but like it was not sustained control or effective control. I'm going to get into it. I can get into an individual if you like. Uh, Jack Grealish. I mean, that that the I'm so, I've just got to say if if you are one of the the many many fans who in this first sort of 2 to 3 months of this season we're saying that Jack Grealish is done and that Jeremy Doku is like the greatest thing to ever reach these shores since Kevin De Bruyne, then you deserve what happened at the weekend. Like quite frankly, because that is exactly what that is. That is, that is exactly what happens when you don't have a player like Jack Grealish. And I, I mentioned on Twitter after the game that like the loss of Riyad Mahrez is obviously another sort of big thing that we've, we've kind of mm-hmm. has kind of gone quite under the radar this summer, given that is, you know, his age and the sort of the, the kind of, deal that we managed to get out of Saudi for him. But last season, we obviously saw a lot of performances where Grealish and Mahrez were the two wingers. And I remember for quite some time, we didn't really like it because it was a bit boring. It, 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 games really slowed down and it could it could sometimes look like it was difficult to see where a goal was coming from in those games. But we didn't give up goals. Like we, 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 were, we were still, we were, mm. we were totally in control of those games. And we've gone from that 
to having Foden playing out on the wing, where yes, Foden's a very good winger, and that's like it, 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 Foden's kind of suffering from the fact that he's basically world class wherever you put him, and and so he's being put out there to facilitate De Bruyne and, and Alvarez in the middle, and Doku on the left, who who for 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 all the things that he's good at, and there are some things that he's good at, control is not one of them. Like he's good at beating a fullback, he's good at beating. A, a, a mid to lower table fullback and rinsing him if they're if and, and causing chaos against a team that is sitting back and just basically putting 10 men behind the ball Chelsea Chelsea is the, the, these big six games that we've only won one of so far this season and and the only one that Doku hasn't played in by the way is the only one that we've won and they point. are the only they are the, they are not games for Jeremy Doku and and, and obviously our hand was forced a little bit on um, on on Saturday because obviously Jack Grealish is injured and he can't play that game but I just feel like I feel like if you are to put it, it we, we've got as 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 De- uh, Andrew just said like we've we've got chaos players and and I think Alvarez and and, and Doku are definitely players of of those kind. I don't think that you can have two or like, I don't think you can have too many of those players in a team. If you mm. if you want to play just Alvarez surrounded by our ideal starting eleven, great. If you want to play just Doku surrounded by our ideal starting eleven, great. But if you're putting three or four of these players and, and also a kanji in the middle as well rather than stones if you're putting if you're putting three or four of these players who are obvious not control players into the team it's no wonder we get results and performances like we did at the weekend and um i'm quite glad to see that a, a lot of people who were sort of bemoaning what does jack Grealish give us apart from backwards and sideways passes are suddenly starting to wake up and realize just exactly what he does offer us because games at the weekend are what we get when we don't have him and the the mm. issue to me too is that, and and I think some of this comes with time, and both of playing at City and time playing is that for me the issue with Alvarez and Doku more than anything is there were multiple moments where they made the incorrect decision, and I think they made the incorrect decision because they are both very used to being one of the best players on every team they have ever been on. That is not the case here. And so when you have Doku and Alvarez out touching the ball compared to Foden and De Bruyne, that's just insane. Like, Doku, you are not the man on this team. So if there is not something that is a very clear and obvious decision for you to go past someone, don't dribble back and, like, stay on the ball the whole time. Like, recycle the ball and move it. Like, we were moving the ball so slow, and a lot of it was that when the ball got over to Alvarez or Doku, it was just not coming back. And so Chelsea could easily just kind of keep the ball in front of them. And then, you know, look, I I don't blame Holland. Like, he is still having a great goal-scoring season. He wasn't always going to be this guy who out you know, basically gets double the goals of his XG every game. Like, that's just insane. He wasn't going to do that. Hmm. And so he's allowed to not score goals like he was yesterday. I'm not saying he had a good day at the office, but, like, he was getting into good positions. But largely, he was also covered because the ball was getting to him so slowly that Chelsea could easily defend it. And that just comes down to, like, the left wing and left midfield that we had, the ball got there and it stayed there for far too long. And... Mm -hmm. It, there's a difference between I'm going to hold the ball and like find the right pass and the ball got to me. I need to make something happen. So I'm just going to keep the, like the ball and dribble kind of nowhere. And I, that happened multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree. I think it's fair assessment and, and maybe this game will be something that Guardiola learns from. Um, 
Speaking of, or maybe not speaking about individuals, Joe, you're not going to be on Kyle Walker's Christmas card list, I don't think. No. Um, it's safe to say that uh, you have quite the gripe against City's captain, and perhaps understandably so. Um, we didn't really touch on it yesterday's episode, or whenever you listen to it, the first episode of the week. Um, but what on earth was he doing for that for that Raheem Sterling goal? I mean, you can possibly possibly excuse the fact that he tries to cover the space to, to Nicholas Jackson and then, you know, whatever go... I, I'm just trying to come up with an answer for the first part. But the second part where he's played with Raheem Sterling for what? Going on a decade at England and Manchester City level, you know, whatever, however long it is. I don't think I've ever seen him take a shot with his left foot. Ever. Ever. No. You know, not not even just like the odd one. I don't think he's, I've ever seen it. So what does he do? He lets him he lets him cut on, onto his right. Yeah, it's so... It's, it is difficult to sort of work out what his initial run is actually trying to achieve. I can only think that he is trying to double up on on, on Jackson, like you say. But, I mean, Nicholas, if you're going to pick one player of the two, it's, it's, it's a bit like it's a bit like picking, like, it's, it's, it's difficult to pick between the two of them. But you've got to pick one of the two that you think is a slightly more of a dangerous goal threat between Jackson and Sterling. And it's if, obviously if Jackson Sterling. Beat, if Jackson beat, like, if Jackson is able to score a goal on us, that's fine. Like, what? Like, fine. I don't expect him to do it. So don't double. Like, care about the guy who, for a decade, has been one of the best forwards in the Premier. League. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. It's. It's a mad decision to sort of just completely ignore the entire. Because if you're the right back and you're there. Odds are there's absolutely nobody behind you covering the entire, like the other mm. two thirds of the pitch. Anyway, so he so so he gets there, and obviously the ball then comes across to Sterling. So, like you say, Walker just sprints at the space in front of Sterling at full pelt, making the cut inside just the easiest decision that Sterling could ever make. Because unless 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 Walker is able to literally do a one, 100- it's his factory default setting, isn't yeah. it? That's it's madness. That's what he's done for a decade. Unless Walker can do a one hundred and eighty degree turn on on literally on literally with zero, with just just literally like a video game character just going straight back again. It's not it, you've just given him a goal, and 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 I know that this isn't even anything to do with the. I don't even think that that goal was bad. But I don't think that's the worst crime that he committed on Saturday. That shot no. in the ninety-second minute is the most. <laughs> is honestly, it's a, it's 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 a, it's an absolute war crime. It's an absolute disgrace. I don't know what he was thinking, but he's. But we've seen this multiple times. It's like every time that we're in a game where we need a goal. He did it in the last Chelsea game where he took a free kick for some reason. When you know, in the ninety-fifth minute. Yeah. We're in, a, we're, in, we're, we're in a position where every time we are in, a, we need a goal, and it's ninety plus minutes. Kyle Walker sees his name in lights and just thinks, "I'm going to have a shot here." You scored one, Kyle. You did it against Sheffield United four years ago, and you've never done it since. What, like, what are you doing? Like, ah, oh, yeah, Andrew. Andrew Amos, I, I have so a question funny. for you about that Walker shot. Since, like, yeah. So I was watching in a pub and like could hear. Like you could overall hear like crowd reaction and noise coming through the mm. TV, but like it was the the pub was packed, so it was hard to like overall like what was the reaction in stadium? <laughs> because genuinely, the anger from the city fans at this pub when he takes that, sh- and I was just like I was I was like oh, yeah. okay maybe he saw something, and then watching the replay, I'm like no, there was zero like nothing justifies that mm. shot, particularly for Walker. Mm. So what was the insane reaction? Yeah. 
Um, I think my career would be um, in the mud, as they say, if I repeated <laughs> anywhere near the sort of level of um, verbal abuse that was thrown towards um, the city captain. I mean, the, the, the weird thing is, look, the, the, the goal is not necessarily entirely on him um, because it had been coming, that sort of goal had been coming for Chelsea. It looked a mile off. In fact, I said to my dad at the time, what's going to happen now in the rest of this half? We're going to go on, down on attack. We're going to fluff up some sort of golden chance. Chelsea's going to get the ball. They're going to go down the opposite end of the, uh, the stadium and score. That's exactly what happened. But I didn't actually think he was as bad as he has been at points this season. It's just those brain farts that are just like... What is they're getting? You know, this is this fellow. What is he? Thirty-three years old or something? Yeah, he's an experienced. They're, pro. they're getting more. Like if if it was a case of with Kyle Walker, if it was a case of his, if if the goals he was giving up were due to physical shortcomings because of his age, I'd be like, right, mm. what, whatever. You switched on, but you're getting old. This is how it is. Yeah. But he's getting older, and his decision making is getting worse. Like I don't understand what I don't. I, it's, it's so the, I, the the one caveat on this goal, and I need to watch it back more. And and part of the problem is is that every the replays I've seen, I don't have enough of a clear kind of look to see how much of it comes from. And it's something I've harped on about the one of the biggest issues with Daku is that he does leave us exposed on the left. And so how much of that was Walker had to get basically got pulled over because we're running this three at the back and we're just out of position because of kind of how the setup was. And then it just leaves us exposed on the right because multiple goals this season have come from ball gets turned over on the left. We have to get over to recover it. And then somebody's clear down our right. Um, yeah. With a, I think Leipzig got a couple. Yeah. Similar sort of style. Yeah. Um, yeah we've, uh, well, we, we seem to have picked the bones out. I think this is one of those games where we could probably stick on five episodes to, to cover all of the, the Chelsea talking points. Um, we'll, we'll call it a day there. Join us listeners after the break as we look ahead to the Brentford match, which is on Tuesday evening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season. And the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content, of course. Um, before we move on to that Brentford game, and I guess we can tie this sort of topic into it, Joe, big picture, do you think this, and this is maybe my galaxy brain take for the week, but was that a good point for City to drop or two points to drop? Um, now, hear me out. Obviously, we've we've mentioned so many frailties, so many flaws in the performance, but Maybe that's kind of the point. And I, I heart back to, I think it was Nottingham Forest at a similar time uh, last season where City just started to get the sort of the wheels in motion. They were looking strong. I think we had a, a six or seven game winning streak at that point. Obviously not 
as lengthy as this 11 one that's just finished but it kind of not necessarily a reality check but just like okay you know there's still plenty of work to do it isn't a polished um you know city aren't the polished item yet and it just maybe lit that fire a little bit underneath the bellies of the city players and i think from that point on they went possibly went unbeaten or they won x amount of premier league matches etc etc so do you think you know as frustrating as frustrating as it was it was a decent point because the players will be as frustrated as we are coming on here and speaking about it. Yeah, I think it's <clears throat> coming off the back of the Everton game in particular. There was a lot of sort of oh, well, City. Like I, I think there was was it Barney Ronnie who wrote that you know like oh, well, you know pack it, yeah. pack it up, everyone. <laughs> City going to win another treble. And I think that, no, no, no. It, it, it was in the conditional tense. Conditional tense. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, don't worry about. Yeah, it. we we <laughs> yeah. we. we we don't have the same grasp of the English language that our, our esteemed Barney Ronnie has. Um, yeah, so I think given given that that was kind of the reaction coming out of that, when I actually when obviously the Everton game in particular was a performance that really did not warrant treble talk. Like it was, it wasn't a very good performance in my opinion. Certainly not the first mm. half anyway. The second half was very good, but the first half was 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 pretty was pretty bang average to be honest, if if not bad. Um, so it's it in a way it's good that. Points have been dropped, but it's frustrating that it's come after what was probably one of our best performances in recent months against Copenhagen. Like, obviously, yeah. now Copenhagen are, are a Danish team that haven't played football in two months, basically. So it's not really the best mm. barometer of how good we're doing. But um, I just think it's, I just think the main the main reason why it's a negative to have dropped points is that it's another top six team that we've not beat. And I think that given what March is going to look like, mm. it would have been really nice to go into that knowing that we can beat a top six team that isn't Manchester United. Now I fully expect us to go. I fully expect us to beat Manchester United because you know we're doing that at home. Um, United are pretty. Imagine even their even their results are looking all right at the moment. It's not really the best time to. It's not <laughs> yeah, even the true, best time to be playing true. them. So I think. But I think going into maybe going into going to Anfield with, with more than one win against a top six side this season would be nice. Um, but I just think, yeah, they, realistically to win the league, you need to beat the teams around you. And we just haven't done that this season. So it's put us in a position where with Arsenal and Liverpool just storming away and beating all the teams that they should beat. We're kind of, it, we're, it, we're just relying on... I, I will say though, they both, they both have had issues beating the, the top six. Like, this is a title race largely because none of the three teams that are at the top of the league are pulling away from one another. They are clearly better than the other yeah. teams in the league, but amongst the three of them, there actually has not been a team that has yet grabbed kind of the rest of the league by the throat and said, I got this. Um, and that's for a, you know a lot of different reasons. Liverpool have had some key injuries. You know, Arsenal are still not a fully developed team um, kind of in their second year of being at this level city have had both injuries and I think have an imperfect squad. Like I don't know that we're going to see a team uh, that kind of comes out and gets on a run. Part of it may just come down to how many competitions are each of the three teams kind of in that causes them to be able to prioritize the league versus having to, you know, if city has to worry about UCL games and Liverpool is, you know, out of the Europa League and just as focusing on the Premier League, like that could be difficult. Um, same thing if Arsenal drops out of the Champions League. Mm. Um, I, but Liverpool have not had a great record this season. And so I don't think that, I think as long as we don't lose at Anfield, we actually are in a good position for the remainder of the season. But I do think that it's going to take a couple of statement wins from City against good opposition to really start to demonstrate that they could win this they definitely still can it's just to me right now you 
they haven't done anything that you go, yeah, okay, they're they're correctly fired up and like in the right mindset right now. Yeah, I'm, 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 it's bad of me to do this because it sort of implies that, yeah, maybe City will go on and, and win another treble. But I am sort of looking back at last season and just just for sort of clarity on the fact, because I think most people look back at the last couple of months of last season and, and maybe a clouded the judgment in the fact that they believe it was all great. But, you know, it, it, we are talking about sort of late March, April is the time when City really started to get going. You know, in February, for example, um, Aston Villa at home, that was the game after the charges. We won that 3-1. And then obviously there was that game away to Arsenal this time last year, actually. I think it was last week, last year. Um, Then there was the Forest game, which was on the 18th of Feb. Then it was after that, City had an immense winning streak, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Palace. But it wasn't until uh, the 1st of April, which was the first game after the international break against Liverpool, where City really had that statement game. And maybe that sort of mirrors up with the the, the run that's coming um, ahead in a couple of weeks' time. But I guess we will chat about Brentford because that is the next match on the horizon for City. And Joe, I reckon um, I'm I'm quietly excited for this one. I don't know. And, and this is probably, uh, probably going to come back and bite me. But given that sort of pent-up anger at the end of the game and maybe you haven't seen a couple of ref- refereeing decisions, penalty, potential red card for Caicedo, I can imagine there's an injustice within the dressing room, not only from their performance, but God, we should have won that game, blah, blah, blah. Um, I reckon this is, could be one of those matches where we see um, a little bit of a schooling from City against Brentford. And obviously we've played them, what was it, 14 days ago, something like that. Um, yeah, I, I think this could be a big one for City. I definitely hope so. I think that, you know, if, if you think how frustrated we are as fans, then you can only imagine what that dressing room's feeling like at the moment, given, you know, Haaland in particular is going to be looking back at some of the chances that he should have scored and thinking, mm. and thinking, I've, you know, I've got to do something on Tuesday here. Um, so I'm really hoping that that, you know, that, that, that turns out to be the case. I think we'll, I think we've got, a, we've got a team that, Typically, is pretty good at bouncing back from these kind of results. Um, obviously, it wasn't a defeat, so it's not like it's you know it's not like you're coming back yeah. from having lost or anything like that. But a game where the performance was just so bad, I think that you know even Pep when, when even Pep's coming out and saying that we didn't look like ourselves in the first half, like Pep, who is eternally positive in these kind of post-match conferences, to the point where it can be a bit frustrating sometimes that you won't just say that we were shit when we were. Um, but for even him to sort of say we didn't look like ourselves, that means that's that's about as close to we were shit as you're going to get from Pep, really. So mm. I think that I think that in the dressing room and sort of on the training ground in the last couple of days is going to be a lot of you know we can't we can't put in a performance like that again. I hope that the team that he puts out reflects that, and we sort of go for a much more. I want to I want to see Rico Lewis come back. I want to see Kovacic come in, Rico Lewis come in. I want to see some of these players who, at the start of the season, we were looking at and thinking like these are going to have big seasons for City. And sort of for one reason or another, obviously with Kovacic, it's been sort of more injury in the last you know month or two. Um, but Rico Lewis seems to have just gone missing for no reason, and it's just like when Alvarez has been, he's played, he started every single Premier League game so far this season, and is kind of not looking like his best self in the last few weeks. It's like well, just. What does what does Luis have to do to get a chance? Like what does what does new what yeah. does what does Nunez have to do to to get a you know a proper run of games in the Premier League? Like use some of these players that you haven't used for the last few weeks that are maybe looking a bit to to replace players who are looking a bit out of form. Um, so yeah, so hopefully hopefully we will see a bit of a change up. Obviously Bernardo presumably just wasn't fit enough to start on Saturday, so maybe he comes into the starting eleven now that he's had that had that game off where he can sort of where he only played 20, 30 minutes. Um, yeah, fingers crossed that we just see a bit of a, a a bit of rotation in the side, and 
hopefully a bit of a different performance to sort of match that. Yeah, um, I, I totally concur with that. And Brentford maybe not the best opposition you want, but if you look at their recent form, they've they've absolutely nosedived, including that game against City, where when City were good, they made them look a bit amateurish, and it was only that long ball um, from Flecken through to Mopai um, via a very clever uh, Ivan Tony shield that that obviously led to the goal. But uh, Brentford obviously won um, here at the Etihad last season. Andrew, um, we'll t- begin to wind down. Um, apologies for not sort of having a, a massive in-depth preview for this match. I'm sure listeners, you can uh, understand why, given the, the fallout from the weekend. But what sort of team do you reckon we will see? Because I'm expecting what we know on Tuesday. City don't play until the half-five game away to Bournemouth on Saturday. So there's a good chunk, what, sort of four days, I think, really, um, at least of training and rest, etc. You probably expect as, as full strength aside as, as possible with maybe one or two tweaks. It'll be interesting to see after the criticism and, and obviously the what I believe to be recognition from Guardiola, that Alvarez, Foden, um, Doku and Kevin De Bruyne all sort of deployed in those attacking positions, along with Haaland, of course, didn't work given the early substitution. It'll be interesting to see what the the front end of the team looks like because, for me anyway, the back end is kind of sorting itself out and, you know, whoever comes in, you can trust them. The the talking points are at that top end. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Brentford want to play a very similar game to how Chelsea approached this. Um, Their players are not as gifted but i would argue their manager is more gifted um i think that in in my mind uh thomas frank is a much better manager than you know Pochettino is um i think if you are a team right now that is looking to have um a manager who can work within a structure and be handed kind of players and develop a system and know how to maximize players that thomas frank is really good at that um and there are players in that brentford team that concern me a lot uh, especially based on how we played against Chelsea. So, yeah, I want to see a team where there is a maximum of one of Alvarez or Doku. Mm. Um, for, you know, if, if I were... I, I'm fine with I'm fine with Akanji being in there because, uh, to me, uh, the issue with Akanji is less of it is Akanji and it is more of... If we lose the ball, he is not as well suited to do the midfield things that Stones does. But, like, again, I think the issues for City this season have almost entirely come from from the top to the back. Like, the things at the back Mm. that are issues are only issues because actually the midfield and the forward line have had problems. And so I I really, like, I don't care who is on there defense-wise. Rodri's obviously a lock. Everything in front of that, like I want to, which is which is frustrating, isn't it? Because he's now played. I was doing some research before the game for for a, a piece of writing I was doing, but he's play, he started every single Premier League match um, this season that he's been available for. Obviously, yeah. bar the ones he was suspended for, which is just mental. Yeah, no, I would love if he didn't, but unfortunately, I mean, maybe you could play Kovacic at the six. I don't think you could play him in the six Probably against not Brentford. Worth the risk is it? No, it's Probably not. It's not, not worth, worth the risk. risk. And frankly, Rodri hasn't shown tiredness signs and I, I think there's a there's an amount of <laughs> which is equally scary as well at the same time yeah no it, it for sure is but for me like I you know Joe kind of hit the nail on the head for me like if I'm designing a, a lineup for this team it, it's going to be probably Rodri De Bruyne Kovacic 
Foden, Bob, Holland. Like that's what I would want to see. Um, if Bernard, if Bernardo's fully fit, bring him in. Um, I'm happy if Rico's that, but basically just give me players that I know, know to make the right decision and aren't going to try to force things because what we saw the, you know, this past match, I think we even saw a little bit, um, in the Copenhagen match is too many players trying to force the issue rather than believe in the system and the Guardiola way to just pass a team to death, strangle them, and then make one incisive pass, get the goal and then close up shop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, finally, Joe, uh, Kevin De Bruyne is an interesting one, isn't it? Because he's almost, his performance wise is almost proven to us that he's undroppable. And I mean, there's no surprises there, but at the same time, he has just had what six months out injured and he is not necessarily the, the wrong side of 30, but getting on in football terms, this would probably have been a game where Guardiola might have circled it or highlighted it and gone, okay, maybe we can rest him there. But given the reaction that's probably going to be needed after the weekend result, it feels like he's going to have to play again. Yeah, he's, had, he's, just, had, he's just had two 90 minutes back-to-back as well, which is really not ideal, um, mm. having to then go into this game and probably needing him. But I think... I don't know. I think, I think because of how... Because realistically, when we were playing against Brentford the last time, Obviously, Flecken had like the game of his life, but but mm. I think De Bruyne did start that game, didn't he? Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. he was and he was pretty instrumental in sort of the chances that we created. So annoyingly, you're kind of going to be looking to him to do that again. But but equally, if Bernardo's fit, I might just rest him, put Phil in the middle, put Phil put Phil central, and put Bernardo out mm. out, out on the right. Like I, I, I'm fine with that as well. Like I just think mm. if it's not like or even flip could, it. Or, yeah, or Bernardo in the middle. Yeah, and, yeah whatever. I, I, I don't think we're in a position where, obviously, as good as De Bruyne is, I don't think we've we've immediately just, like, folded back into a position where if De Bruyne's not on the pitch, we don't win. Like, we've been doing it without yeah. him for the most of the season up until the last th- three or four weeks when De Bruyne has been back. Like, we are still capable of winning games without him. And we don't want him to, you know, we don't want him to be going into the, the, the horrible run that we've got in March coming off the back of having played multiple 90 minutes back-to-back-to-back when he's... We don't we don't know what that's going to do to his body, given the injuries just come back from. So, mm. uh, if if he starts, you know, fair enough. Like obviously the the physios and everyone, the fitness coaches at the club will know better than we do. But ultimately, at the same time, you you could you could drop him, you could rotate him out for this game, and I wouldn't really complain. Yeah, um, and as well, De Bruyne is never the sort of player. I thought he didn't really have a great game against Chelsea, but he's never the sort of player who you're going to take off mid-match because he can just make something happen. The same as Erling Haaland. But I do think there's something to be said, as we saw against Everton, him coming off the bench. If you don't have the game won, then he's a great... I mean, he's the best asset to come off the bench. We Absolutely. saw it against uh, Newcastle as well. Saw it against Everton. Um, so I think that's maybe something Guardiola can use more. And that obviously opens up the door for Alvarez to play in that position again, and et cetera, et cetera. But we've been through that a million times. Um, right, okay, guys. Thank you very much, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers as always. Joe, thank you very much. Um, no more ruffling feathers, you. You've, you've done enough this weekend. Uh, this podcast might might do a bit of that. That was nice. It was cathartic. I enjoyed that. that was uh, Yeah, thank you very much. 
that's what we're here for therapy sessions um yeah invoices coming afterwards um <laughs> listeners thank you very much it's been a pleasure like i said if you haven't already i'll point you towards the uh, review episode that was a little bit more um let's say intense this has been a nice chat i feel a bit more calm now afterwards whereas the other one i think got a few people riled up which is what we're here to do but uh listeners thank you very much it's been a pleasure and until next time we will see you later Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.